We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2023 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Picks, research, preview, guess the odds for the week, which is going to be pretty difficult because this field absolutely sucks. Still, we want to win some money this weekend, so we might as well dig into the research. Remember to smash the like, sub to Mayo Media Network, and leave your rating and review on the audio podcast on Apple or Spotify. Subscribe and download and set on your notifications to that as well. Always the easiest way to get the content. The walkthrough today will be provided by FantasyNational.com. Use FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. Get yourself 20% off all of the pricing memberships. Easy stuff. Annual is always going to be the best discount, but hey, you might as well get the weekly. Try it out. See how it goes. All right. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. The free newsletter link with more info coming on Wednesday evening is going to be down in the description. And the listeners link will probably be available on Monday morning. Who knows at this point because they have been pretty slow at getting me the links. My article will be up on DK Nation. We'll have more throughout the course of the week. Feinberg on Monday, Tambo on Wednesday to get you ready from betting, fantasy, one and done, and obviously the DraftKings pricing for the week. Here are the quick things that you need to know right off the hop about the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. It is a 54-hole cut, so every player is guaranteed three rounds, exactly like the American Express two weeks ago. It's going to be a three-course rotation between Spyglass, Monterey Point, and Pebble Beach Golf Links. The Golf Links, you all know Pebble Beach. It's where they hold the U.S. Open. It's one of the most famous courses in the world, and most definitely on the PGA Tour. It is the only one with shot link this week, so when you're researching stats... You're only going to find stuff from Pebble Beach, not from Monterey Point, not from Spyglass when you're looking for strokes gained metrics this week. Keep that in mind. All of the grass surfaces on the greens are POA between the three courses. It's the first time we're going to have a full complement of POANA greens because at Torrey Pines, north and south, it's split between POANA and Bent. Uh, Although the majority of the rounds, three of them played on the south course, are all POANA greens. They're a lot faster than the greens at Pebble Beach, though. And the Pebble Beach golf links themselves greens. When I say Pebble Beach, I'm talking about the actual course, so let's try to get that out of the way to begin with. We're not going to touch too much on Monterey or on Spyglass. They only get one round there. There's going to be two rounds. The final round will all be at Pebble Beach. Different cut rules this week, too. As I mentioned, it's three rounds, so it's after 54 holes, but only the top 60 in ties are going to play through into the final day. That allows, like, the AM partners to get in. These are super long rounds upwards of like six to eight hours. Uh, the, the Jason Day special, he enjoys himself a long run. Don't have to walk too fast out there. So it's groups of two going off with their AM partners uh, throughout the course of the four days. And, you know, you're going to get your shots of Larry the Cable Guy. I wonder if Bill Murray is playing this year. They'll probably dig up the course of corpse of Clint Eastwood to come out and talk at some point. We're going to get Konica Minolta swings from everyone you never actually wanted to see. It is the worst viewing experience of the year, especially the Saturday. The Saturday on CBS at Pebble Beach has to be the most laborious TV watching experience in golf of the past 10 years. It is truly awful stuff, uh, unless you're really digging, checking out amateur swings. I just want to see some shots of the guys that I got going on, but that's me. 
Obviously, I'm different than that, although the field seems to reflect that as well. This is the worst field of the year to date, and probably inside the bottom three of fields that we're going to get outside of the swing season. So we have a couple factors at play here. One, you have the Saudi International, which is going on, which used to draw a lot of people away from this event. Now all those guys just play on the Live Tour, and that's what we're seeing. Basically, everyone who plays on the Live Tour is playing in the Saudi International this week. It's an Asian Tour event. Cameron Young is also playing. Lucas Herbert is also playing. I think there's a few other PGA guys in that event. It's like a proxy war for the Live and the PGA, although the top-end PGA stars aren't going. They have decided to... Just take the week off because you have the Waste Management next week, followed by the Genesis, two huge tournaments on the PGA Tour. You would think after settling Tory Pines going Wednesday to Saturday in order not to conflict with football, you would think you have this open week where there is no football to really pump everything up. I know that the lead-in to the Super Bowl has really become a defining feature of the Waste Management. It just seems like no one wants to play this tournament ever. And it's not one of the elevated events. So it's not the $20 million purse. You're going to get that at the waste management and the Genesis because it's an invitational now that there's just really no point. And that's really reflected in the quality of field that we're going to see this week. I told you I would try to keep it quick. Obviously, I didn't. Should point out too that the Pebble Beach Greens are some of the smallest on the PGA Tour. You have around 3,500 square feet. So around the green, as long as you're, I mean, you want to be hitting. You don't want to be missing a ton of greens because green regulation percentage just directly correlates with how well people do at this course. But it's very hard to hit all your greens in regulation, obviously. So you do need to have a modicum of a short game, especially on the final day. And if the wind picks up, it's hard to tell that this far out, that wind can wreak havoc on Pebble Beach golf links. And we're going to look at that right now and talk about the courses. And as you can see from the visuals, like... You're right on the coast. The wind is most definitely going to affect everything that happens. So to take a look at the main course, the host course is Pebble Beach Golf Links. Two rounds there, par 72, the shade under 7,000 yards. Poa Greens, yes, there is going to be shot tracker. You have the incredibly small greens, although the proximity out of the rough is one of the higher, the lowest, should I say, in a good way on the PGA Tour, um, uh, mainly because if the greens are so small, you're just going to inherently miss a lot of the greens. Uh, the driving distance at Pebble Beach is way down. Uh, we'll get into that when we look at the course research more on fantasynational.com. But yeah, you're going to get like a 267 driving average here. There's cliffs that you have to watch out for. Remember, Spieth almost fell onto the cliff last year. That wouldn't have been fun for Jordan Spieth. Also, things that weren't fun for Jordan Spieth and me was betting on Jordan Spieth when he lost to Tom Hokey on the final day. I feel like I'm paying a penance at this tournament over the years, mainly I hit Phil to win. I've had, I've had a few winners at this tournament over the years, but like the past two, obviously Spieth is in the lead, gets run down by Tom Hoagie last year. And then I had nasty Nate Lashley as a super bomb and he was playing fantastic fantastically and then Berger ended up winning but just there was a meltdown on the last par three by Lashley and that was just the end of him fortunately he rallied enough to get inside the top five but we're going to try to find uh where we can go this course really does mitigate the premier drivers in the world which is most of the elite players maybe one of the reasons why they don't like this as much like we've seen heavy favorites and long shots win at this course outside i mean you can call hoagie a long shot he opened at 65 to 1 last year was a pretty popular bet and got bet up but he was only like the mid-range player like you had spieth and mickelson or Berger. like they were the favorites they were sub 30 to 1 in this field when they ended up winning and then you have like your long shots 100 to 1 or more you have nick taylor von taylor tp Ted Potter Jr. It's the Potter penance that I'm paying for the live bet on him. There are actually substantial live betting opportunities at this course because you've seen so many long shots win that if anyone good is in contention, you're going to get a situation where you're just undervaluing all these other guys. And because Shotlink is only tracking Pebble Beach and all of the best players are just going to be geared to be on TV on Saturday at Pebble Beach, you're going to get guys that make runs at Monterey, which is the easier course of the bunch. And they can really pile up a score and their odds will not adjust as quickly so if you want to keep a keen eye on that uh, you could probably stream some of them on espn plus i'm thinking although the featured groups over there are going to feature like bad players that you can really make up a lot of birdies very quickly on that course before the odds actually get a chance to adjust obviously you still need them to hold on on sunday against the best players in the world but you might be able to squeeze some value out of it that way i've seen it happen a couple times it happened with tpj and he was one shot off the lead 
on Monterey, I think he had made like five birdies in a row. And he, I saw him at 125 to one. It's like, well, I don't think he's going to win, but these odds are wrong. He should be like 16 to one. Maybe the book has gotten better over the course of the past few years, but this does seem a tournament where you can keep people on their toes and you can catch them asleep at the wheel in the live market. So keep an eye on that. Uh, wind is going to affect all the courses, less so Spyglass. Monterey is going to be slightly affected, but it is the golf links where you're going to see the majority of stuff go down in terms of the wind if that crops up. Spyglass is a par 72, just a shade over 7,000 yards. Sometimes it's slightly below 7,000 yards. It's all in that range. Poa Greens, no shot tracker. You get the one course there. Monterey Peninsula, par 71, just a shade under 7,000 yards as well. Again, the Poa Green. So I think we should take a step over to fantasynational.com and check out what we got going on in the field this week. Uh, it is a very bad field, as I mentioned. Matthew Fitzpatrick is Matthew Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, and AT&T sponsored Jordan Spieth are going to be your big three players in the field this week. The next level down after that, you see like Dietrich's up there. Ben Griffin's been on a nice run, but honestly, like in terms of name power and long-term skill, you have like Pendrith, Keith Mitchell, Kucher, Kitayama, Tom Hoagie, Day and Rose are both playing, Mav McNeely, Dietrich Putnam, who's had a few good runs at this event. And it's that type of player that can actually win at this course. You have your accuracy laden. It's not all that dissimilar from the Sony or anything like that, but I did have a few DraftKings notes that I did want to pass along. We take a look at some of the DraftKings scoring over the years and really try to figure out uh, what's happening. It is a full field of 156, by the way, uh, in case you were wondering on that front. But you can always go to Fantasy National, again, fantasynational.com slash mayo, and check out the historic DraftKings numbers of how you want everything to go down. Uh, obviously, when you take a look at it, it's a pure stars and scrubs event, and it has been that way. Like the $8,500 hoagie is such an anomaly from what we've seen. But you see 8500 and he outscored everyone by 25 points a year ago at Pebble Beach. Then it was Hostler, who was sub-7,000. Merritt, who I really like this week, by the way, is at the low 7,000s. Then you have high-end Spieth, high-end Matthew Fitzpatrick, low-end. So when you just even keep going down, the next $8,000 level player was Denny McCarthy, who came in 12th, and he finished just outside of that with 90 DraftKings points outside the top 12 in terms of DraftKings scoring. You see someone like Peter Malnati did a ton of DraftKings scoring last year, uh, ended up with you know a bit of a bonus for coming in 42nd, uh, and he just piled up some sub I think some some sub-70 rounds or whatever it might have been. He was came in at 68. He scored 88 and a half DraftKings points, and he came in 42nd place. So you can see just overall last year in terms of finishing position. Hoagie wins by two over Spieth. Then you have Hostler, Meriton, Cantlay, Ty. Cantlay was very much in the mix and just kind of faltered down the stretch. Matt Fitzpatrick, Putnam, Power, Bird. You can just be like a short-hitting type player and have your – putter and irons go super hot. And it's not even really your irons, your wedges. You need to score on par fives. They tend to be pretty easy. You can make a lot of eagles on some of these, but it, it tends to become a, and especially in a field with such little up top that it then becomes even more variant. Like we see at a lot of these events. So let's take a look back at, oh, ampersand at the DraftKings scoring from 2021. So just overall, last year, the winner checked in at $8,500, scored way more points than everyone else. Six players scored 105 or more. In 2021, the winner was Daniel Berger. And as you can see, top-end guys. Berger, over 10000 Cantlay, over 11000 Spieth, $9,700. And you snuck in with Mav, Lashley, and Charlie Hoffman. I mean, I don't know if you could have fit all of those guys in. Even Max Homa, who we learned was a much better player than this. Even someone like Paul Casey and Jason Day, 9500 10400 So the favorites tend to have a pretty good run at this tournament. Three of the four top scorers uh, in 2021 were at least $9,700 in 2020. The winner was $7,000, scored 23 and a half more DraftKings points than anyone else. That was Nick Taylor. However, four of the five highest priced golfers that year finished outside the top 15 in DK scoring. That was the really weird outlier year. When you go back to 2019, the winner was $9,600 and it was more stars and scrubs. Each of the top six scores were priced under 7,500 or over 9,000. In 2018, $7,100 was 
was the winner. Uh, you had him. It was Ted Potter at seventy one hundred dollars. Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, they were both up there, and they were both at least ten thousand nine hundred dollars. So the stars and scrubs in a field like this tends to be the way that you actually want to play it, which is kind of weird. You don't see that many tournaments like this, especially because you do get the three rounds. And maybe that's one of the reasons why it ends up working out that way, that you have an extra round with a star-studded field uh, on pretty easy courses that talent is just going to win out over time. I don't really know the reasoning behind it, to tell you the God's honest truth, but that's just uh, where I'm at at the moment. Looking at players in the field, obviously we went over last year, uh, the year before that, McNeely came in second. Uh, you're not going to find the winner from that year at this tournament because no one knows what's going on with Daniel Berger. <laughs> At this point, Lord knows where he's at. Uh, hopefully he's getting recovered and it should be pretty soon. Uh, Spieth has been the best player in this tournament over the last five years. Uh, has never missed a cut. Only one finish outside the top 20. Three consecutive finishes inside the top 10. Obviously, the last time that we saw Jordan Spieth, he went full Keegan on us. Uh, first round leader to missing the cut at the Sony Open. Wouldn't put too much stock into this. This has been a tournament where he's played incredibly well over the year. No different than someone like Jason Day who is apparently not listed in the field at this point. That's really strange. I thought he, I guess he's not playing. I really thought that he was playing. Okay, that makes no sense to me, considering this has been like his best tournament over the year. I'm going to cross him off my odds board then. That was stupid of me to say that Jason Day, I just assumed that he was playing. Streelman, Nick Taylor, Troy Merritt, and Scott Stallings are your best five in this tournament. Uh, I really like Mav McNeely this week. That's going to be no surprise to anyone because when you dig into Mav McNeely a little bit, uh, I've wrote, I've already written him up. That's why I'm kind of well aware of this. And you see his, the best career finishes he has. The Fortinet on POA. So that makes some sense. It's a longer course, more of a ball striking course. But for a guy who gains distance on the field pretty regularly and loses on fairways gain pretty regularly, you can see the best performances of his career are either on power or at short courses. So Pebble Beach, he had the T2 back in 2021. He had the T5 in 2020. Short courses, all three of them, short courses. RBC Heritage at Harbortown, a very short course. The Sony Open a few weeks back. Wiley, a pretty short course. Genesis, very long. John. Deer, very short. You have like Mayakoba, Mayakoba. So he's almost a part of that like Pete Dye circuit that we got going on. The short courses, you can probably throw Colonial into that mix as well. We've seen Spieth win at both those courses in the past. Uh, I don't even really know about the other ones, but the big thing to take a look at with Mav right now is like, look at these putting. So basically since the Shriners, and he's not having a great go at Torrey. He did make the cut and he's putting incredibly well. His irons have been absolute dog shit. But He's gaining like almost two strokes per round on the green. And when you kind of look at it, you'll see that POA has been his preferred putting surface over the years. So uh, it's going to be pretty shocking when you see what his odds are on Monday morning at DraftKings Sportsbook and elsewhere. But it is worth keeping that you do see a lot of players um, you know, tend to play this course well over and over this event. And it's not necessarily usually the place of a breakthrough, although we did see that with Hoagie a year ago, that this does seem like pretty prime for Matt McNeely to get his first win as long as he dies. Like, and I don't love this for Vic. Like, I have no idea how Vic has played at this tournament over the years, weirdly enough. Let's take a look at that tournament history again and just try to dig in to see what Vic has been up to. Let's see, yeah, Vic played this in 2020, and he was T38. He did play, he did actually go incredibly well at the U.S. Open. I believe he was a low am. He and Morikawa both played it pretty well, although his putting splits have been really good on POA over the years. Doesn't play on a ton of POA. And then we'll take a look at the U.S. Open. I believe it was 2020, yeah. 2020, he was T13 at the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. So, kind of a harder circumstance and all of the rounds obviously were there although we've seen him win birdie fest at mayakoba so maybe this is actually a pretty decent spot for him not that you're going to get an odds break because he hasn't really played the course all that many times i think we know that talent tends to win out although his biggest skill set being so good off the tee as i mentioned relatively mitigated at this course he needs to be able to kind of fire up the wedges make all those putts and for years, Dustin Johnson was always the prohibitive favorite at this tournament. And look, Dustin had some great runs at this tournament. He's won this tournament twice, but I think it had been like 12 years since he actually won. Uh, obviously, he's not allowed to play in it anymore because he's on the live tour. But it, you can use all of these skills, the ball striking, but really it might just come down to a putting contest. And that really does even out the field for what we're looking at a lot of the time. So other players, 
in this field who have had some pretty good run over the years. Let's try to take a look at it. I can't believe Jason Day isn't playing. He would have been like everyone's one-and-done pick. Uh, Hoagie had the top 12. You'll see a lot of guys. Uh, I'm trying to find the note that I have on it. Let's see. Course history has been very strong at Pebble Beach. All winners this millennium had previously made a cut at Pebble Beach in their career before winning, and most of them had a top 10 in their career at some point before winning. You see Hoagie was 12th, then first, so I guess he would not qualify. T12 is pretty damn close, though, so that actually does make a lot of sense. Since 2000, the leader or co-leader after 54 holes has gone on to win 13 times including eight of the past 10 years hoagie was in a three-way split a year ago with bo hostler and i want to say putnam could be wrong on that it was a three-way tie though at minus 15 and spieth ended up catching up then hoagie overtook him to win at minus 19 six first round leaders have gone on to win since 2000 nick taylor was the last one to do it in 2020 he was also the first international winner of the event since vj singh in 2004 so americans have really piled up a lot of success at pebble beach over the years oh queuing on scott piercy he made four or five cuts at this tournament you can see putnam Putnam's had some pretty good run here over the years, as has Brian Gay. Brian Gay's getting pretty old at this point. Damon is playing for the first time in 2023. Ditto with Kevin Kisner, by the way. Both those guys playing for the first time. Uh, Power is back. He hasn't played since Tournament of Champions in America. He has been overseas playing. He played in that Hero Ryder Cup-style event with Ireland and Great Britain. And I believe he played last week in the Middle East. Can't quite remember at this moment. Taylor Moore has some pretty good POA putting splits. Was T20 in his first appearance here last year taylor's been really good at this tournament too nick taylor won von taylor won maybe taylor moore will be the next one to join in on that i'm not especially sure how that works but you know, that, that could be an angle that you can check out lipsky okay let's take a look at lipsky you feel like i had him and he was in the running at amex or sony it was, it was sony he did it I, I don't think that sony's necessarily a corollary course but you can see lately you know mayakoba bit of a short course obviously it correlates really well with sony we know that uh, but they are on the shorter end of courses, just like this one. He's played well at both those in his last two starts. Let's see, Mexico, Corrales, you know, coastal course, slower greens. They are slow greens at Pebble Beach. They don't get amped up. Like Torrey Pines, super fast greens. Riviera, super fast greens. Slower end of sticky POA at Pebble Beach as well. So keep that in mind. Yeah, 224. Okay, so maybe Lipsky is worth another look this time around. Tough to say. Tough to say. You never know how this stuff is going to go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's try to take a gander at the key stats this week and see how all of that is going to play itself out. Uh, I have it already loaded in here for you. Obviously, you can adjust it any way you want when you're a member at fantasynational.com slash mail to get that 20% discount approach. 30% off the tee, 5% around the green, 10%. And this is almost entirely geared towards Pebble Beach, the course, by the way. Not the other two, although there's a lot of similar traits, especially the short irons. Par 5 is 10, par 4 is 350 to 400, 10%, 400 to 450, 5% opportunities gained, 5%. Proximity from 100 to 125, 10%, 125 to 150, 10%. Strokes gained putting, 5%. And we'll load it up and see how it goes. There has been a lot of disasters on these greens over the year. The tiny greens at Pebble had the lowest putting percentage in 2021. This has been a pretty annual thing from 10 to 15 feet. Lowest on tour, 25% make rate 
from that range. It also had the second lowest putting percentage from 5 to 10 feet, only 50%, and overall 5 to 15 feet was only 40%. So a lot of missed short putts. Don't get too triggered when everything comes down the pike. But here's how the modeling over the past 50 rounds turns out for me right now. Ben Griffin is the number one player in the field, according to this. Hoagie, Spieth, Smalley, Lonto. Lonto... He's playing this week, isn't he? Or did he play, play two weeks ago? Let's see. Do you play the No, he's playing in the farmer's field this week. His first start back. I can't remember if he made the cut or not. We can find that out later. Uh, Lonto wasn't really on my radar and didn't really pay much attention to him, to be perfectly honest with you. Matthew Neesmith. I mean, this could be a nice run for Matthew Neesmith, to be perfectly honest, just how good he is with his irons. You can see par fives, top 15, approach second in the field over that time. Obviously, Hoagie, number one. You have Hovland, Hubbard, Davis Riley is up there as well. Cam Piercy, like, you want to talk about bad putting. Maybe it's an equalizer for him, because dude legit can't putt. One of the worst on tour. But hey, so was Davis Thompson, and started to work out pretty well for him at the Amex as we went through him. Taron, there's Lashley again, stupid Lashley. EVR Lipsky does rate out inside of the top 20. Oh my God, Luke Donald, who's like not been bad on the Euro Tour lately. My guy, Eric Barnes, probably want him at a longer course. I just want to take a, a quick look at the proximity from these ranges of who is the best from these ranges and see if they meet up. Really no shocker, Tom Hoagie is up there. Hollywood Hoagie, our guy, defending champion. Uh, the irons are the best, so it's no shocker that he's really good from this range. First in opportunities gained, first from 100 to 125, and third from 125 to 150. Other guys that are up there over the past 50 rounds, Knox is fourth and first from those proximity ranges. Brian Stewart, Stumanji, seventh and 30th. Ben Griffin, Griffin, 10th and 21st. Andrew Landry is 9th and 25th, man, Ben Griffin's going to be like uber chalk next week. I can see it coming now, especially with how well he's been putting and just how well he rates out in every key metric. And that's over the past 50. He only has 46 rounds to qualify for this. And I see Super Nintendo Chalmers, you know, good, then bad from these ranges. Stalling's pretty good. Lipsky's pretty good. Ben Martin, sort of the opposite. He's 25th and 4th. Ben Taylor, 22nd and 35th from these ranges. Uh, Lonto, 30th and 22nd. I, I might have to do a deeper dive on Lonto. I mean, we can do that right now. Let's go check it out. Let me open this in a different tab so I don't lose everything that I got going on without having to reload everything. Let's go over to the Farmers. Click on the field. Take a look at the in-tournament stats over on Fantasy National. Now, obviously, click on total, see the numbers, and see how Lonto ended up doing. Lonto, okay, minus four heading in. I'm recording these 15th place. Actually, actually quite good. The approach has been bad at the south. Around the green has been bad. Been putting the lights out. Okay, that's interesting. I wonder what his numbers are going to end up coming in. I don't want to ride everything on a hot putter, but he's been around field average at the south, of course, which shouldn't be particularly designed well for him. But okay, it's good to know going forward. Uh, go back to Pebble Beach, see how we're doing here. You think the Todd father would be a lot better, but his uh, 125 to 150 has slipped a lot. Although he still is the best player in the field over the past 50 rounds on 400 to 450 yard par fours. Let's take a look on those really short par fours to see who ends up the best. You have Riley, Lauer, Merritt, Merritt. Fitzpatrick, Sung, you'll know. I do want to do a little bit of a deeper dive on Troy Merritt for a second. I like Troy Merritt. Uh, he's completely untrustworthy. Don't think that he is not. Very good run at this tournament, obviously, over the past little bit. You can see that he was fourth last year, and then 16th, 25th, and 8th in his four starts before that, when he used to constantly miss the cut every single year. But here's why I kind of like Andrew, or sorry, I was going to say Andrew Landry. I don't like Andrew Landry. Watch Andrew Landry win now. Troy Merritt. Why I like Troy Merritt, because you still see the spikes. And because of his high variance, and he sucks so often, that... His price never really gets high, be it DraftKings and the betting market. That may change because of the good course history this week. But I, I have my doubts that when he's opened, it's anything less than 80 to 1. Like he could be over, he could be triple digits at some place. I don't think people are really trying to sniff out what's going on with 
Troy Merritt right now, but you just see the spikes and you've seen him hit. Like he's won the two tournaments over 10 strokes on approach in those tournaments. You've seen these like amazing putting rounds, 9.9, 9 9.5, 8, 7.5, 7.2. We know it's there and it just comes out of nowhere. There's really no rhyme or reason to it. He can be the best or worst approach player in the field in any given week, as we've seen, and ditto for putting. Like he can be by far the best. He's sort of like a version of JB Holmes in that way, except it happens a bit more often for him. So we see him coming in like, you know, he had a spike week at Sony and did nothing else right, especially chipping. The chipping was particularly awful. But more often than not, he's pretty good with his irons, like 50% of the time. Catch him with a hot putter. Obviously, he tends to putt pretty well here. Poa is his best putting surface. And there we go. Difficult rounds uh, does not do well with those. But if it gets windy out, he tends to be really good in those rounds. He's just a very bizarre player. He is an ultimate GPP play. He is a long shot bet. And listen, he's not a prolific winner by any means, but he does have two wins in the past eight years. Uh, If you'd bet him every time, you'd probably be doing pretty good at this point, considering he's hitting triple digits when it comes down to it. And even as an each way, like he has a lot of top fives, even last year, one at Pebble, one at Valero. Maybe Valero, we can look at as a potential crossover course for here look guys that play pretty well you have Hossler played well at both last year Merritt similar type fields as well when we really dig into it because these are not strong fields obviously Spieth has had good run at Valero in his career so a Tringali JJ Spawn maybe Spawn is someone we need to look more into this week if he's playing is he playing he's not playing of course he's not playing no one wants to play this stupid tournament you think he'd want to go and try to get a win somewhere but even to look at it some more, Stallings has a good run at both tournaments. Siwoo has as well. Denny, uh, top 20 at this tournament last year. And he was 12th at Pebble Beach last year. Streelman, obviously a really good run. Snedeker has won there before. Snedeker hasn't been good in years. And somehow he came T18 at this tournament last year. Nasty Nate Lashley. So maybe there is something between these two courses at TPC San Antonio, AT&T Oaks. Why? No idea. Couldn't tell you why that is. It's a longer course. They seem to have nothing really in common except for strength of field. And maybe that's just trying to dictate that similar type of players. The good players are going to end up coming out on top in a lot of these tournaments once it gets down to it. So uh, I really have no rhyme or reason why maybe someone smarter than myself can dig into that. But that's uh, where I'm going at the moment. Let's shrink down the sample size to past 24 rounds. Uh, obviously the farmer's information is not embedded into the system yet because the farmer's insurance open is not over as of yet. I'm still, you know, fingers crossed that Max Homa can make a run here on Sunday and really go for it, but I don't have my hopes. He kind of blew it on the back now. Once they mic'd him up, which I will talk about more on Monday's show with Jeff. I actually really like that. I thought that was awesome. But past 24 rounds, Griffin is still number one, but then Lipsky, Hoagie, Neesmith, Smalley. Smalley continues to pop up here, despite being very poor on the short-ish par fours and around the green has basically nothing. But hey, Hoagie has basically nothing around the greens too. As long as you're hitting your greens in regulation, you're good to go. Bob Shelton, okay. Take a look into Bob Shelton. Kitayama, poor guy. He was like plus 8,400 this week. I bet on him too. Good guy. Lonto continues to pop up, but again, his stats are legit from his past 24 rounds are legit from last year. Uh, John Deere Travelers, US Open when he ran bad, had back surgeries. He could probably throw those ones out. He, maybe he's still good. Who knows? Who knows with him? Maybe he's fine. Ben Taylor, Will Gordon, another guy who missed the cut for me. Shame on you, Will Gordon. I put faith in you. Russell Knox continues to rate out really well. Best in both of those proximity ranges. We know that he's had good run at this tournament. I just doubt he can ever make a putt when it matters, but... No, it's a pretty weak field. Could probably get it done. Lashley continues to be up there. Eric Burns. Where's my guy Eric Cole? Is he playing Cole's hole? Oh, yeah. Eric Cole. There we are. Great putter. Terrible on these short ones. Good on really short par fours. The next range of par fours, not so great. Yeah, it's not terrible for Eric Cole. You're going to have to, if we do do the Stars and Scrubs build this week, then it's going to be tough to figure everything out, and you're going to have to squeeze some of these losers into your lineup. Putnam, Damon, Grayson Sig. I remember Grayson Sig was on a really good run either last year or the year before can't quite remember now he ended up coming 33rd but i believe that was on the heels of a really terrible final day where's the sig man yeah 75 
on Sunday for him. Sometimes it's worth keeping note on players who were very much in the mix the entire time and ended up not doing very well. Like Kelly Kraft lost to Jordan Spieth. He came in second place the year that Jordan Spieth ended up winning this. That was years ago, but you can see he still lingered around for a little bit. Other guys like Day had a very poor final round. I can't believe he's not playing. Just look at this run at Pebble. So he was T24 last year. Before that, uh, 7th, 4th, 4th, 2nd, 5th, 11th, 4th. That's crazy. It's craziness that he's not playing in this event for a guy who maybe he feels like his game is so good right now and he's really starting to get it all back that he can skip this tournament. But it's just really strange to me that he played the American Express and is skipping this one. I guess you know he can try to build up enough points to get back into the Masters and... I think he's already like 60 to one to win the match. And I even think he's in the field as of yet. Anyway, uh, that's just kind of looking at it. So, so I, I don't hate going through the leaderboards for a year and just see guys that perform pretty crappy uh, in round four. You can you know sort yourself by round four here. Oh, Rose was disrespectful to anyone who bet on him in round four last year. But who were other guys like Sig, you know, had the third worst score on Sunday, but still came T33. Day was bad, still came T24. Pendrith was another one. He came 49th, but that's a 74. Him and Hayden Buck, who loves to fuck, fucked with everyone who bet on him at Sony, but maybe it's time for Hayden Buck, who loves to fuck, to fuck with the winner circle this time around. Who knows? T41 and shot bad weekend overall for him, but 74. Putnam was 73 and came in six. So guys have been lingering around. Uh, this isn't, my, it's, listen, this is definitely not the best way to go about trying to find sleepers in the field, but you can see guys that have held it together for three rounds and just had a if they had come in six, you would love them this week, but they had one bad round, so now you don't love them. This is a very good way to find some sleepers more off the beaten path. Even you, Jesus, Jonas Blixt, 72? What year is this? Who knows? Wow. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so let's try to see who are the best now. See if anyone bumps up. Knox and Hoagie remain the best from that proximity range that I was talking about. Lipsky is also tremendous. From both, Camillo Vizegas is up there as well. Ben Griffin continues to be pretty good. He's still number one in the modeling when you push everything forward. Nate Lashley, Fabian Gomez, good lord, Fabian Gomez. Davis Riley, Kurt Kitayama, Alex Smalley, Keith Mitchell, Will Gordon, Ryan Moore, ugh, Ryan Moore, uh, Philip Knowles, I don't know who that is. Uh, he sounds like he should be pretty good. Who the hell is Philip Knowles? I wonder if this guy has a pitcher. He does have a pitcher. Oh, he must be pretty good. Must be a rook. Has missed three straight cuts to start the year. No finish better than T48 on the PGA Tour. Probably don't want to play Ben or Philip Knowles at this time around. Maybe you do. Maybe he'll be great. Who knows? Adam Long, you think would be better at this course, but he's just kind of on a downswing right now. And Cuss was just talking about him in my DMs about how much he loves Adam Long for reasons, I suppose. I probably don't want to go that way. Hearn has been historically bad at this event over the years, despite on paper being something that he should be a little bit better at. You, Sig, Tom Johnson, Ramey. Let's see, Ryan Armour. Uh, hits the other key range. Ben Kaler hits the other key range of 125 to 150. Who else? Norlander and Hubbard both do really well in those numbers as well. Andrew Landry, Marty Dew, who did make the cut at the Farmers, I know, because he's in Raza's PME open lineup that has a chance to win coming through. I think he needs to fade Rom, which is never uh, really a great thing when you're looking at it. Duffner, good Lord. All right, enough, enough of this. Let's reset all the strokes gained. And get to course-specific stuff. And you can always program this in into your mixed condition model, by the way. Like, if I wanted to go back for a second and reload the model, we can just run this very quickly, just so I can show you how to use the mixed condition. So we're going to put in past 24 rounds, mixed condition modeling. I so very rarely do this on the walkthrough, but I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world uh, in order to do the walkthrough for. I mean, this is what we're here for, to dig into the research. And these are all tools that I use at my disposal throughout the course of the week. This isn't the only 45 minutes a week I do research on golf, shockingly enough. You think I'd be better with all the research that goes into it. But if you click on mixed condition model, what you can do is go to my rank. I just want to put in, and I'll label it past 24 model. And this will start to create a new model for myself. So I'll add that into the mix. And now I'll go back to strokes gained overall and try to take a look at courses that are under 7,200 yards because that is a filter that we have over here. 
Let's see. Where are we at? Uh, less than 7,200 yards. So we can just look at the past 24 rounds on courses that are less than 7,200 yards. Uh, and we'll do it by strokes gain total. Power, Hovland, Griffin, Dietrich, Lanto. One, two, three, four, five. Putnam, Fitzpatrick, Van Royen, Neesmith, and McNeely round out the top 10. So let's throw this one in there as well. We'll go select, strokes gain total, past 24, 7,200 under. And boom. We'll add that into the mix right now. And you can always look on average as well to see if anyone kind of pops up who may not have as many rounds to qualify. Nicholas Echeverria uh, all of a sudden pops up there and only 13 rounds. That's all he's qualified for. But if you do take the 24 rounds, you're going to get a pretty recent and smaller sample anyway. You still see Cooch is up there. Smalley has played well at these courses. Rose, Benan, Pendrith, Sig. All right, I wonder who the guys were like disasters. Brandon Matthews. Okay, there we go. As a long drive champion, that is not super surprising. That that's gonna be oh, there's there's our guy, Philip Knowles. Anyone who just really stands out here? Novak, Duffy, Trevor Cohn, Higo. Higo's on like kind of a heater at the moment. Wouldn't listen, I love Higo. Big fan of Higo. Uh might have to go to Higo. This week, I think he's playing pretty well at the Farmers again as well, too. So you have the 11th after he made like 30 birdies in a row. Like he just pop. I mean, obviously he's won on the PGA Tour. He's won twice on the Euro Tour. Uh, we had the 11th from him. He had Memorial last year where he was inside the top 20. And then he had Sanderson Farms where he finished top five. He can get it going. Don't necessarily hate Higo here. Let's go, Higo. South African guy. Might just try to pile up on the Americans because that has worked really well, at least North Americans. Because, I mean, VJ was an international winner in 2004, but we just confined it to North America. Nick Taylor, Canadian. So all of a sudden, we're good to go on that front. Uh, if we just look at Tita Green, on average, at these shorter courses, you see that Neesmith does stand out. So this is taking putting out of the equation. So Neesmith, Griffin, Nick Taylor, who is a winner here, Andrew Novak, all of a sudden, gets a big boost up because the strokes gain totals are really bad, mainly because he's losing 0.6 strokes per round on the greens. Goya, who, had, who I think once saw a bunch of money in Showdown last week. I feel like Goya makes the cut every week, but I don't think that's true because I think his name is just Goya and that really stands out to me. So yeah, he had missed three in a row, but yeah, even before, this guy sucks. What am I talking about? Was T28, did make the cut, I believe. Yeah, he made the cut. He was inside like the top 10 after the second round. No idea what he did after that. I assume nothing great because I don't think he's on the leaderboard anymore at the time of this recording. Hoagie, Mitchell, Smalley, Piercy, or Percy, sorry, Spieth, Lipsky. So we're looking at like Lipsky, Troy Merritt. Oh, Marty Dew. There he goes. Ryan Palmer, Ben Ann, Mav McNeely. Matias Schmidt. Matty Schmidt could be a look here. Uh, I believe that he ended up missing the cut at Tory. Don't hold me to that because I wasn't paying too much attention. But let's see. Nationwide. That's on. Barbasol, he was inside the top 10. American Express. So, of course, rotation. Weaker fields. All right. So, I mean, if you want to build up any sort of case for him, that would be the case. Doesn't necessarily hit his irons all that well all the time. The dude mashes it off the tee, which isn't the greatest thing for here. But, again, still worth looking at. So, in our mixed condition model, we've thrown into the other thing that I want to look at. Let's go to putting. And we're going to turn off the filter for under 7,200 yards. And we're going to look at pure POA and see what we got going on on an average basis. Because there's guys that we're going to be able to throw out right away because they have two rounds or something like that. Just click on the POA greens on the left-hand side because this is going to be three rounds of pure POA. And we can just take a look at strokes game putting over that range. You can put in whatever range you want. We have past 24 rounds. Let's take the average and just see who's the best. You have John Pack, Marcel. Oh, my God, Marcel Seam. The dude with the knife in his mouth and, and the ponytail, the German dude. All right. Uh, he only has, what, four rounds of qualify. He has two rounds of qualification, four rounds total. Blix, Kucher, Justin S, Kevin Kisner, Denny. Webb, Hubbard, Zach Blair. There's a blast from the past. Zach Blair, I once bet on him to win the Honda Classic, and I think he finished at plus 19. But yeah, great POA splits for him. Interesting. All right, made the cut at the Sony. Good enough for me. Maybe we'll fire up. And we're not going to fire up some Zach Blair. Who am I kidding? I mean, I probably will, and then lose money on it and be like, why did I lose money? Oh, yeah, bet on Zach Blair. Jimmy Walker, Ted Potter Jr., Troy Merritt. Mac McNeely, Taylor Moore, Bryce Garnett, Justin Rose, Jordan Spieth, J.B. Holmes. Okay, so we're, we're getting more of a picture here. So let's throw this in. That's the average when you take the rank from overall. It's obviously going to filter out some of the guys 
with really low rounds. Justin Sue has been so good, even in seven weighted rounds, he still ends up up there as well. But I want to throw in the average, so let's do that. Throw that in. We're going to go strokes game putting. Poa, putt, pass, 24. Add that to what we're up to. And that could be good enough to run everything anyway. The last thing I want to look at is just rounds gained. Um, strokes game putting on Poa in their career. How many times have they gained on the field? Been in the better half of the field uh, versus everyone else. So you have John Pack, 100% of the time. Dylon, woo, 80% of the time. So four or five rounds. He's been positive on the field. Blix, Kuchar, Denny, all right, are all above 75%. You also have Ted Potter Jr. in there as well. Taylor Moore, Justin Sue, Troy Merritt, Mav, and Kelly Kraft are all the players with more over the past 24 rounds, beating the field more than 70% of the time on Poa Greens on the green with their putter. And we can flip that too, guys who are just terrible. So guys, there's a bunch of guys who just have no data to speak of. Harry Hall, 0 for 1. Robert Garrigus, 24 rounds in there, 16%. Norlander, and it's funny because he came second at uh, at Torrey Pines once, and I assume he putted well that year in 24 rounds, only gaining on the field or lose. He's, he's 3 out of 10, uh, 30% down there. Burmeester, not great. Smalley, not great. Kitayama, not great. Probably should have looked at that coming into the week. Stanley, I mean, 33% might be like high for him versus anywhere else because dude sucks on the greens. Just like Byung-Han Ann, Harry Higgs has been bad. Austin Cook has been bad. Lingmurth, Grayson, the Gribbler. Joel Damon, Mullinix. All right, but now we're back up to like 35%. Now we're into coin flip situations, but I just want to try to isolate that down at the bottom. So that's a look at POA putting for the moment. So let's take a look at this mixed condition model and see what we got going. We have my rank, past 24 in the model, strokes gain total, past 24 rounds, 7,200 yards or under, uh, and strokes gain putting on POA. Just, you can weight this any way you want. You can add more into it. You can click on the walkthrough, although I think I did a pretty good job of just explaining how that works right now and just see what it gives us. It's just another way to look at things. Put it that way. Let's see. Sort by my rank. Cooch. Oh my God, Matt Coocher. Good Lord. Lonto Griffin, Denny Putnam Griffin, Rose. Ben Griffin's going to open at like 40 to 1. Good Lord. Oh my God. Mav, Armour, Spieth, Gordon, Lipsky, Hoagie, Todd, Smalley, EVR, Bob Shelton. I think I wanted to look at Bob Shelton and never got to that. Hubba Hubbard. Hovland, Taylor, Dietrich, Lashley, Webb. So guys that have played really well at this tournament over the years, weirdly enough. Fitz, Ben Taylor, Adam Long, Neesmith, Power, Coles Hole, Kisner, Keith Mitchell. Okay, let's take a look at Bob Shelton. Let's see, 6th at the American Express, 10th at the RSM. So shorter course there. Bad at the Sony, but it was his first start of the season. You could probably forgive him for that. Won twice last year on the Corn Ferry Tour. It only missed at Mayakoba. So it's funny. Mayakoba and Sony, two courses where he missed. Both of like the two shortest courses that he's played. I wonder how he's doing this week. I'm going to check over. I know he was having like a good first round. We'll see how he ends up doing in this tournament. We'll take a look at Bob Shelton. Robert Shelton. He did make the cut, and he is three over. So he must have had a very, he was three over, I suppose, on the Friday round, gaining a bunch on approach at the south course. Can't putt to save his life, can't drive to save his life. Like those approach numbers, though. Those look pretty good to me. I wonder how he's been overall in terms of those proximity ranges. Good putting on POA, too. Okay, Bob Shelton. Maybe it's time for you to get your first ever PGA Tour win. Just hope that it doesn't play hard or is windy AF, because that looks like it might be pretty bad for Robert Shelton, or Robbie Shelton, as he likes to be called. Uh, when we sort by the proximity ranges, let's see. It's still loading for us here. System a little bit slower. Or it's wildly raining out and super windy at my house, so maybe my internet is going a little bit slower. Maybe we're trying to pull too much data into this as well or did i actually click on it let's see approach and proximity guess we'll get back to that in a second and hopefully bob shelton ends up doing pretty good what are we doing here come on they don't want me to see the the hidden truth on bob shelton is there i'm gonna let that continue to load i don't know why that one page is a sticky point 
Well, message Moose. That's uh, poor Moose gets messages from me all the time. I'm like, yeah, we got to fix the the Robert Shelton approach page on Fantasy National. I mean, we do need to fix it, obviously. Obviously, there's something loading a little bit slower trying to pull the wrong data from it, but you know, the approach's been pretty good. It's, it's really interesting. It's funny that he didn't pop up in any of those key numbers that we were looking at. I suppose I can just look at it this way. Proximity. Just proximity stats in general. Taking a little bit longer to load here. Bob Shelton. Yeah, it's funny. He's just been bad on proximity overall, though when you look at approaches... Oh, no, because I still have POA on. That's why. Click off POA and see if that gets any better because it's been a lot of you know short POA at the moment. Short term or just from years, years past. Bob Shelton. Okay, yeah, here we go. The approach has been a lot better for him. Good from in close. Good from 150 to 175. We take a look at the course breakdown. Uh, you can switch to all the courses if you want, but all the strokes gain data is going to be from here. Oh, shocker. Around the green actually means more than off the tee amongst the top 10 finishers at Pebble Beach, which is kind of hilarious. It meant a ton at the U.S. Open. I don't want to pretend like it doesn't. The plurality of shots this week are going to come from 100 to 125, and it looks like if you combine 75 through 150, that's where the majority of approach shots might be coming from. Maybe not. And it's about like 50-50. A lot from 200 plus, that's mainly due to the par fives. And you can even see a lot of these short par fours, only, uh, you know, not not a ton of the real long ones this week. Like when we sort by the yardage, you see, what is it? One, two over 450 yards. And one of those is 451. So that is worth taking a look at. All right, there we go, Bob Shelton. How are we doing from the fairway? How are we doing from the rough from each of these distances? we might have too much information on this page. That's why it takes so long to load. How do we do with the American Express? And actually not good from the key ranges I'm looking at, better from the other ones. But even before that, he's been really good from 100 to 150 lately. So maybe Bob Shelton going to go on the list along with Lipsky, Griffin, Neesmith. All right. Starting to build a card here of long shots. Although, I mean, long shots for DraftKings purposes because that's the route that I want to go down. So... Let's guess the odds for Pebble Beach. Uh, I think they're going to be wildly unfair odds, to tell you the truth. But you have your big three that we're coming out with. You got Vic, you got Fitz, and you got Spieth. Hoagie might get lumped into that mix based on the way that he has been playing. I doubt that he'll be as close to those guys than he is. Maybe he's on a, like a tier by himself in between. I don't know. I also thought Jason Day was playing, so I had him at 18-1. to 1, But I have Vic at 10 as the favorite, and Spieth and Fitz both as 12. I can see them all being level by the end of the week, depending on where people go, because I don't know if people are going to love this course for Vic. Although, based on where he's played really well, it actually makes a ton of sense that he would do well here. After that, I have Mav at 22 and Hoagie at 18 as the next new little mini tier. One guy could be 16 and 18, though, for all I know. Check DraftKings Sportsbook or my Twitter account, at the PME. Monday morning, when the odds drop, I will tweet them out for you. Seamus Power and Justin Rose at 25 to 1. And then you have the next level down, Kisner, although he hasn't played at 33, he might push 40. That seems fair. Putnam at 35, Kucher at 40, Joel Damon at 40. That is the quality of this field. So I am interested if I can find triple digits on Merritt or Griffin. I, I think those are really good numbers. I doubt you'll get a triple digit on Neesmith or even Lipsky at this point, but uh, it's worth looking at these longer shots because I know that, listen, I just ran the numbers. I'm not saying that I have an influence on the market, because uh, I don't, or maybe I do in really bad ways, I suppose. But people who run similar numbers are going to figure out the same sort of plays as me as well. So uh, I just expect there to be a lot of money coming in on those guys pretty early if the numbers are right. If the books, you know, if the books want to take money on that, they'll listen to like 150 to one to start and drop them to 50. So you'll get all the loser money from me and my buddies, and then all of like the I don't want to miss out on this 50 to one when someone else got it for 100 points more later on in the week because that's probably the best way to structure your golf bets. Put the Put the guys who you know people are going to bet on it. Really good odds early. Drop them so when people write their columns and do everything like that, that people will be like, oh, I need to bet on Ben Griffin. I don't care that he's 20 to 1 anymore. And when he was listed at like 100 to 1 earlier in the week. That's how this stuff works. Anyway, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Thank you all for watching. Smash the like to the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Tell some friends about the show as well. I should have the Listener's League for DraftKings on Monday. Tune in then with myself and Feinberg. Got Tambo on Wednesday. And there's a really big tournament overseas at the Saudi International this week. So tune in to Sky and Tom Monday evening on Mayo Media Network as they break down the DP World Tour and international events for us. 
uh, in long form. And they've been much hotter than I have, who, you know, I haven't picked a winner yet this year. Bunch of seconds. That's always fun. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, right? I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!